Hello and welcome to the Blues Talk podcast. In the first week of pre-season, my name's Callum Denning, Dale Moon, alongside me. Players back in at the Trillion Trophy Training Centre under the watchful eye of caretaker head coach Pep Clotet. But one man who knows all about the rigours the players will be going through during pre-season is Darren Purse, who joins us on the Blues Talk podcast. The Blues Talk Podcast with Dale Moon and Callum Denning. So Dale, first Blues Talk of pre-season. The lads are back in uh, a slightly rainy Trillion Trophy training centre anyway at the start of this week. It got a bit nicer. Yeah. I mean, we're sat here now on what, Thursday? It's beaming. What, 25 degrees, Be- sunny yeah. outside. I wish it was like weather. that Monday, Tuesday when we're out with the cameras filming the boys. But yeah, good to, that the players are all back in. Uh, obviously, they had pre-season testing, Coventry University last week, and then here mm-hmm. we're at the Trillion Trophy Training Centre, and then straight into it Monday. And so I think they've the first couple of days are always easing the players back in, getting them moving their bodies again and getting running, running, yeah. And then they probably beasted midway through the week and into next week. So good to have them back around the place. You feel like the season's getting closer now. The players are in. Obviously, all the, the new kit, the training gear that they've got, that I think's gone down really well with supporters. They're yeah, I need to get some. I yeah. do need to get some. Yeah, so um, now nah, good to good to get them around the place again and uh, just, like I say, another marker that the season's just around the corner. Of course, be remiss of us not to mention, of course, there has been a change of face at the top when it comes to uh, first-team management. Gary Monk, club has party company with him. Board placed on record their thanks and best wishes for the future. But Pep Clotet now takes the reins. Absolutely, yeah. Pep, someone who we've had on this very show, isn't he? As, as Gary Monk's assistant, talked eloquently and in detail about his footballing philosophy and people who influence the game. So there's clearly a intellectual coach in, in Pep Clotet and he's the man at the, at the spearhead now. And yeah, he's obviously spoke to Blues TV this week mm. as well in a, a feature-length uh, interview with, with head of media Colin Tatum. So I think that provides quite an insight into his thinking as well. And it's just a case of all of us supporters, club again, continuing that one club mentality that we had last season, sticking together, uh, moving forward and, uh, of course, you know, just supporting the, the new head coach. As you mentioned, Pep Clotet was on Blues Talk start of April, if you want to go back and listen to it. Yeah. Fascinating yeah. You know, views on the game, um, yeah. his experiences in life and how that impacts it. Yeah. So, yeah, if you haven't already, do go and have a listen to that. But one man who also has a, a range of fascinating <laughs> views, he's been there and done it in the game. He was captain here. Captain Cardiff, he got to play for the team he supported, been promoted a good few times, is Darren Purse. Yeah, fantastic character in the game. And again, when we do these sorts of interviews from the players of the 90s into the early 2000s, this was my golden years mm. as a supporter. So as a young lad, I used to come down and trying to be a <laughs> trying to be a centre-half as Darren Purse was during my playing days and Parks pitches. Uh, he was a bit of like an idol, so brilliant to speak to Darren Purse but what I liked about this was it felt like there was no barriers and no filters with what he was saying very honest uh, great stories of both being here at, at Blues and what happened in the dressing rooms and down the tunnel uh, the players he's played with uh, managers that he's got on with and managers he hasn't and now obviously his aspirations as now a, a school teacher but more importantly as a coach he wants to obviously 
go and get into the management side of the game and um, great insight. But one of my most enjoyable podcasts to record this one because, uh, yeah, he, he came out with everything that was on his mind. Well, as you're about to hear, recording a slightly unique location uh, in a school in Northampton. I don't think we'd ever do, no. ever, ever do that with the Blue Top podcast. No, but listen, let's, let's go back to that school now and let's have a listen to Darren Purse. The Blues Talk Podcast. Darren Purse, thanks for joining us on Blues Talk. We are in a classroom in Northampton at the Malcolm Arnold Academy. Hmm. How random is that? Which is <laughs> probably the most unique location. I mean, we've done Delia Adebola's back garden. We've done the training ground, we've done the stadium, but we've it's never been... done a school. No. If we'd have done the back garden, I'd have done a barbecue for you. Ah, Dealey got yeah. a squash, like Dealey. Nothing really? else, yeah. yeah. We haven't got much out of anyone ever no. for our podcast. No, we do need to up our game. Amazing that, I think. Tea, so. yeah, 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 that's very true. <laughs> yeah, very uh, true. We could start off with the start of your career and go chronologically, but I want to talk about the two most highly regarded players at Blues and how you've had incidents or events with both of them in terms of Trevor Francis. And Christoph Dugary. Okay. So we're going into the straight meaty in stuff. With that. Straight in. We're going straight in with the meaty stuff. Who's so starting with this? Let's go with TF to start okay. with. So Trevor Francis, uh, take us back to the training incident that meant that you were out of action for a little while. Um, I think it was random. <laughs> Tre- tricky, well, tricky, as everybody calls him. He was, it, even at 50 years of age, I think he was around. He was still the best player on the pitch. Mm. You know, he was unreal. And the lads used to have a little... Um, they used to have a bit of a bounty going on on him as well, so if you could kick him in training and all that <laughs> sort of stuff. And I think we even had a, I think we even had a bit of a fine pot. That if you actually drew blood, you got a bit of the fine money no out of the thing. Way. Which was, Did which anyone manage to do it? All the time. I, this, I, you've seen me tackle. <laughs> mate. I was, uh, <laughs> paid my mortgage for about a year. <laughs> but um, yeah, so that, that was uh, that was one thing. Which, but um, the, the training incident, I, I used to go and goal quite a lot. But it wasn't even from that. We, we was playing this little five-a-side, small goals, and everybody would try their absolute hardest to stop him from scoring. Mm. And I know, it, as I said, you'd, you'd kick him, you'd, you'd budge him over, and he'd be whinging around to Millsy <laughs> and that because he was a referee. Um, and he's hit this shot, and it's going in top corner. I thought, I can't let him score, I can't let him score. So I've just dived and just tipped it round the post. And as I've done it, I've just felt this little crack in my wrist oh, and so, the pain. So I've gone down. It might have been a Friday morning as well. We had a game on a Saturday. I've gone down. I thought, this ain't right here. Something's gone on. So um, I've jumped up, tried to shake it off sort of thing, and it weren't, it weren't having it. So I just run straight down, straight off the training pitch. Percy, where are you going? Where are you going? Got to go, got to go. So I went down, see the physio. Um, I think John Price was a physio at the time. I said, Price, I think I've broke my wrist. Went straight out, x-ray, hour late. I'm in in a cast and can't <laughs> play for six weeks. So it was, uh, yeah, a bit of a nightmare. But everybody had tried they damned this to stop him from scoring yeah. or stop him from being on the winning team. <laughs> Did he talk to you after that? How does that conversation go when they're at your manager? It was right. It, it, was just, it wasn't like it meant to do it. It was just yeah, a yeah. random accident. You know, I mean, I'd probably do it a hundred times and, it, and, and nothing will happen. I probably have done it a hundred times over my career. And yeah. for this one time, I end up fracturing my wrist. Unbelievable. And do you goalkeeping career that? or? No, I still love going to goal. <laughs> was you yeah. good? All right, I saved the penalty when I was seventeen. Did you for uh, Leighton Orient? Yeah, we played. We was playing Torquay away, and um, as I said I, I'd always enjoyed going in goal. And after training, I'd always be the one that put the gloves on. And uh, our goalkeeper got run fear and got sent off. And um, I think it was one nil up as well away from home. Big save. About twenty minutes in and uh, saved the penalty, so it was all good. Conceded, I think, in the last minute, but. Yeah, yeah, it was uh, it was decent. After you'd done that, did the club 
come out and say what had happened, or did they hide, manage to hide it? I think I just said it was a training incident. Yeah, yeah engine I, training. Yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't think it was. Uh, Imagine now if we'd, we'd have a job as a media department. I know to, to explain. <laughs> <laughs> thing is, is football's changed a lot though the media nowadays they scrutinise everything yeah. sort of 20 years ago probably Tats was probably sitting there watching the training yeah, anyway yeah. Yeah, yeah. you know and there'd, there'd have probably been some sort of agreement, agreement between the clubs that he don't print it just say it was a training ground yeah. incident so yeah. Yeah, it was a, it was a lot more open house years ago and we probably would have had fans watching the training and things yeah, like yeah. that So, but he still had a bit of 50 years old old team. oh listen what a player what a player yeah. I'd love to have seen him at, uh, in his absolute prime yeah you know, because he was uh, he was excellent. So yeah. I told you, you've, uh, teaser in. Got your Here we go. Sorted. Big moment. Don't sort us out with tease to his mate. Cheers, Tony, top man. Um, yeah, it was interesting because he'd done a Blues Talk podcast TF with us. Uh, we've Colin Tatum a few weeks ago, and Tats was questioning him on who he likens himself to in terms of a modern day player that yeah. stylistically he's like. And I think he went with Mbappe, didn't he? he, he was did, heard yeah. Yeah. Which is a massive shell. <laughs> but, but, but because he said he was renowned for playing out on the wing and he had this pace about him that just gets him away from that age as well. At, yeah. at such a young age. Um, yeah. Too, yeah. I, I haven't really seen sort of clips. I've seen like his goal in the, in the European Cup final and, mm. and things like that as a player. But just looking at him as at 40, 50 years of age, he was still still an unbelievable talent. And Yeah. Um, yeah. Just fair play to him. What's he like as a manager for you? Do you know what people say this? And he did well for the club for so. I think he managed the club for was it about six years? Yeah, yeah. Right? yeah up there. He did well get, getting in the playoffs four years on the spin. Just and get across the line. It was, it was hard because obviously the year that he left, obviously Brucey came in and, and and did it. But as a manager, and, and obviously you look at managers nowadays, and, and as a manager, I don't think he was great. Yeah. But he brought in good players, and you're talking about people like Martin O'Connor was at the club. Um, obviously, he brought Brucey in, uh, Jeff Horsfield, people like that that run the run the dressing room for him. You know what I mean? So I've put, I've put myself in there as well. And sort of, if anybody stood out of line, the players dealt with it. He didn't have to deal with any of that. We yeah. we were such a good close knit group of lads that yeah, we we managed the sort of dressing room for him. And it, Millsy was good, you know, around around the place and, and sort of tactically. And him and him that they were the the, the tactical side of it I think mm. Trevor was just a front but I'm not taking anything away from him for what he did for the club over the six years that he did it he was, he, he was quality and yeah. really enjoyed playing for him you know he was a, he, he was a good manager and yeah, got a lot of time for him Yeah, when you speak to former players I suppose you, when it's all managers some will say how great he was because they were in the side and he favoured them and liked them and then others will come away and completely won't have him at all as yeah. a manager or as a person. I, I, I think if he was playing week in, week out, he was a great manager to play for. If he wasn't, he sort of, he had that tendency to sort of forget about you. Yeah, it was yeah. starting 11, the rest take care of theirself. Yeah, yeah. You know, so if you was to say there was a criticism, it would probably be that. Yeah. But... I, I played for him most of the time, so, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. so it was uh, it was all good. Who is you, your who is your best favourite manager you played in? Um, a lad called Dennis Smith. Yeah, uh, I've played for some like Brucey was was top class. You know, for for the time I played for him, I played some really good managers. But um, I've always Dennis Smith at Oxford United when I when I signed for Oxford at 19 years of age. Mm. For what he did with that club keeping them in the championship and I think the first year I was there we just missed out on the playoffs in the championship for a, a club like Oxford with a the budget they had mm. um, he, he did he did brilliantly and obviously he went on to West Brom and, and clubs like that but it didn't really sort of 
kick on for him his managerial career but Oxford I thought he was excellent and yeah, I had a lot of time for him him and obviously his assistant Malcolm Crosby yeah, um, yeah but as I've been lucky enough like Mickey Adams was excellent you know signing for him at Port Vale later on in my career me when he was at Port he made two signings in January me, he signed me and Lee Hughes you know what I mean I was 36 I think and usually was the old boys usually was the same yeah. and um so I think that little bit of experience just got got them over the line. So I think there was it was about Christmas time, as having a little bit of a wobble up, mm. and uh, so he was another good manager. Just said it as it was, you know. And I think as as footballers, all you ever wanted to know was the truth, and yeah. and, and a manager that told it as as it was. And if if it weren't something you agreed with, you, you could get on with it rather than milling around. Oh, you're still the best player, and I'm not playing. Yeah. You know, they, they was always the worst managers to play for. Yeah, we'll touch on on your early days and before you joined Blues. I want to talk about um, Christophe Dugarry because along with Trevor Francis, I think my generation who who never got the privilege to see TF play would say Christophe Dugarry the best player to ever put on a blue shirt. Mm. Um, and you played in the same squad as him. Saw him day in day out. How, it, good, how good was he to start? When, when we speak about players, you you can't get on with everybody in football. Ah. Did not get on with Christoph <laughs> at all. You know, we was did it just not a character see- class. Yeah, yeah. We, listen, I was one of them. I, I knew when I, when I walked on that football pitch, I had to be a hundred percent on it. I was I wasn't a great footballer. Yeah. You know, my my I played with, with my heart rather than anything else. You mm. know, I wasn't. I was. That's how I'm great. I, 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 I made okay. the best of what everything. I, I made it. Yeah. And if I wasn't hundred percent in training or in games, I wasn't. I was. That's when I knew I was. I wasn't on it. Yeah. You know, and I was. I was quite intense and. And, and things like that. And Christoph was totally the other opposite. He was so laid back, you know, but his talent was unreal. The best player I've ever played with. And I played with some good ones as well, like Aaron Ramsey, people like that. Christoph was out of this league. Yeah. And the year that he signed in January to keep us up that year was phenomenal. Yeah. You know, he, he, he was a he was a great player, but we had our clashes, you know, and I didn't agree with how unprofessional he was yeah. about about the way he went around things. Like I think the year he kept us up, he, he signed a two-year contract. Um, and we came back for pre-season. Christoph was there for the first day. Just walked, walked around, had a little jog around. That was it. But then went back to France for two weeks to play in someone's testimony. I can't right. remember whose testimony it was. But didn't come back for two weeks. He was supposed to go away, come back two days later and, and carry on pre-season. Didn't come back. But he'd signed his two-year deal, you know, and I think mm. why why there was a contract on the line for him and all that sort of stuff, and that's probably why he had so many clubs. Why there was that contract on the line, he was fantastic. Once he signed his two-year contract, he yeah. down tools a little bit, and I didn't agree with things like that, yeah. you know, but yeah, hands down the best player I've played with. Do you think you weren't the only one? Yeah, I can imagine you've got, you're a manager, you're trying to get a tight knit dressing room, and then one of the players... You know, you're working your socks off in pre-season and then one's allowed to go and disappear for, for two weeks. But, yeah. Yeah, but, look, but if he'd come back pre- uh, after that two weeks and played at the same form that he had that year he, we, we stayed up the first year, I don't, as, as a player, if he's scoring goals yeah. and doing that, you take it all day long. Yeah. You know, and just let them, let them get on with it. But when there's when they when it don't happen and they're not work they're not scoring the goals and it they're not doing what they should be doing, that's when questions start getting asked. You know, I thought there's the incident. I know you said about the incident in the tunnel with me and him. Yeah. Uh, after, we was at, at home, three one up, Everton. You know, in the Premier League, we've beaten Everton three one at home, night game, and he just didn't track a running. It's like the ninety third minute. So I've just gone straight at him. You see you next Tuesday. I'm going <laughs> to bang out of all day. Do it for the t- just yeah, as I would normally as I'd normally do to most people. I was yeah. 
I think I was a horrible person to, to, yeah, put, yeah. to play with because I, I demanded what yeah. what I did mm-hmm. from everybody else and people like Grange and people like that had, <laughs> had buzz off it. Do you yeah. know what I mean? But he didn't. So in the time, I played in the World Cup. I <laughs> don't give a crap where you are. You know what yeah, I mean? yeah. You're here now. Yeah. So you do the job that you're, you're being paid to do. Yeah. So in the tunnel, and there was that little bit, I would say there was a click, but there was the French boys because we had Alu CC, um, who was the other lad? Olivier Tabili, who was an absolute yeah. unit, by the way. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so as we've gone down the tunnel, there's Christophe waiting to me, and I can see the other two Maybe behind me. <laughs> so as we've got it, and there was like fisticuffs in the tunnel, a few punches thrown, they've jumped in. I think I had Grange, Gilly, Horse after on my, on, my, on my back, and it just, yeah, sort of kicked off. It's all got hushed into the... And to be fair, I don't know the actual... Day, but I don't think you played too much afterwards. As I said, I think you just... It down tools. He yeah, earned, yeah. earned his two-year career, uh, his two-year contract, contract, and and the rest is history. But just to say, unbelievable talent. Yeah. What a player. Yeah, he's in punditry now. You see him a lot on French TV. Yeah, he's like the French Gary Lineker. Yeah, is he? Yeah, yeah, he, yeah. Works, he is quite prominent. On uh, he has got a skinhead. Yeah. Well, but when I when I say that I didn't really get on with him, that summer that we was there, we, we went to I went to Euro Disney with the kids. And he got me fast passes for everything and all that. So he, he, must have liked me, he must have liked me a little bit. <laughs> what you're saying is you used Christoph Dugan <laughs> got him with him. And then to go. avoid Kira. And then, uh, and then pied him off. Um, it was all good. It's over two decades since you joined the club now. So 21 years Scary. ago since you joined Blues. Do you remember what happened when the interest came in? And Yeah, I, I do. Um, I think there was a little bit of interest because obviously I think um, Kev Francis went the other way, way um, in the deal. I just, I just, I, I'd had a good 18 months at Oxford playing in the Championship. I don't know why Trevor Francis signed me because the couple of times I played against Birmingham or against Blues in the when I was at Oxford, I played once as a right wing back against Grange. I remember playing against him. And I think catch, I, yeah, and I think catch. I played right. Yeah, I think I played right back in the next one. So yeah. um, to sign me as a centre half after watching me a couple of times there. Was, uh, was good, but yeah, I remember my agent ringing me just saying Trevor Francis wants to meet you. Um, so I went, I met him at um, a restaurant um, called Simpsons in Kenilworth. Mm. Um, a, a good pal who became a good pal of my Andrea Santona, who, who runs the runs the restaurant. He, he became a good pal after that. Um, so we met him, had a chat, and uh, yeah, signed. So it was, it was signed actually on my twenty first birthday, which was brilliant for nice. me. You know, as uh, as a young lad, sort of coming in and. I felt I'd made it a little bit, a million pound player. and Dream, yeah. what a dream that is. Is it, it, is. it, it was. I'm trying to remember what I did on my 21st birthday. <laughs> I'll tell you what, I was in Bruges on my 21st birthday, watching Blues. Europa League, yeah. nice, yeah. There you go. Yeah. So, it's yeah. not bad, but I weren't sold for a million pounds. Yeah, no. so, so it, it worked out really well, and uh, like the hard work that you've done throughout, and you slowly see your career progressing. And um, yeah, it's, it's, it, I can't, You can't speak highly enough of, our, of how sort of going into the club and how big a football club it is. Obviously, mm. I played for Leighton Orient and Oxford at them times, two sort of a lot smaller clubs. Mm. And then walking in and then you're seeing 20, 27, 28,000 on a Saturday afternoon. Mm. Obviously, that was back in the heyday when obviously Rover was still going and yeah, yeah. it was a it was a proper place to play football on a Saturday afternoon. Yeah. You had a great mop of hair, I remember. you and Still have got no, a great mop of hair. Look at <laughs> it's it. not bad barney, to be fair, but back then it was more of like a curtain style. No, it was, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, think, I, I think it... A couple of years, it started coming off. I thought I need, I need a hard man image. So. <laughs> I, I, I changed. I changed me for the way I played. I think. Did you always play? Did you always play that way at Oxford at Leighton Orient? Was you always the hundred percent? I had to be. Yeah. I knew I had to be. I, I played with thousands of players that were 
technically better footballers than me. Mm. But if you put us in a one v one situation, I think I'd nine times out of ten I'd beat you. Yeah. You know, just because I had that that determination and that that will to win to do it, and I needed that in my career to 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 play where I played. Yeah. Do you think um, youngsters miss on miss out on that a little bit? You work with young players now. Do you think they give as much as you'd like them to, and they realise it from a young age or not? I, I think I think youngsters nowadays are given too much too early. I don't think they have to fight for it anymore. I, I know people say about you can't have kids doing boots, but I think that is a fundamental of of young lads and apprenticeships coming through. Mm. You need to do the dirty side of the game. You know, so if if I was, it'd be something I'd probably bring back, especially from sixteen to eighteen. If you're in if you're in the youth team, you, you clean the boots, even if there's, that is your only job. Like I remember doing everything, cleaning everywhere, mm. you know, doing the boots, cleaning the changing rooms, getting the kit for the, to to get washed, sweeping the stands on a on a Sunday morning or Monday morning after games. It was what you did as a youth team mm. player, and I think it stood me in good stead for for the career that I've had. And I think if we went, but I don't, I don't think you have to go back to kids sweeping the stands and painting the dressing yeah, rooms, yeah. but definitely cleaning boots and, and maybe even picking the kit up off the floor because that's your uh, that's you doing your apprenticeship again and having that respect for for players that are there and doing yeah. it and um, yeah so it's, it's something that I would I'd like to see brought back into the game because kids nowadays have got it too easy Paul Robinson and Kevin Phillips said the same didn't they when they were on the podcast mm. how it really made their kind of careers gave them those those aspects that you spoke about so I think I just think about going through adversity and yeah, being yeah. grounded and probably brings a bit of character out it's of it. You see, you see, obviously I work in a school here as well during, during the day and kids don't deal with adversity. Everybody, There's a massive issue at the moment with like anxiety and mm. kids with anxiety. and Getting prizes and, for, and for taking part. And, and, and I don't believe in that. Yeah. You know, oh, he's, he's poorly behaved. Let's, get, let's give him a sort of... A boost. A, a, yeah, let's yeah. give him some points for, for, for good behaviour. No, but he still needs to. He still needs to know when he's when he's. Yeah, out of line. As a footballer, played poorly. I still need to know when you when you've behaved poorly. Mm -hmm. You can't just get rewards for when you've done mm -hmm. something well or when you've done something that should be a fundamental of. Yeah, yeah. What's expected? Yeah. So wear wear the right uniform. School. Don't get don't get a, a, a like a plus point for because you've won. That's that's a fundamental yeah, yeah. of the school. It's expected. Yeah, yeah. It's your expectation. So, um, yes, I don't I don't believe that with youngsters that they. That they should be given things for for, for not earning them, and yeah. I think when you go back to it, I think when you do clean your boots and wash the kit and all that sort of stuff, that's you earning the right to to become a professional footballer. Yeah, uh, a big highlight was of your time at Blues at least was the penalty against Liverpool. But I want to be rewind a little bit earlier than that. The five all against Watford at St Andrews, you scored to make it five all, did you not? In the pen a penalty. Oh, penalty. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we got Penalty. beat in the end, though, didn't yeah, we? Was it it Chrissy Holland? Yeah, yeah. Well, there's two. Kevin Paul blasts one. Yeah. And then Chris Holland yeah. as well. You got your memories of that night? Because that seemed to be the one that we should have gone through. Yeah, I, I thought we, I thought we deserved to. I thought we deserved to win that game. Um, you know, Preston away as well when we when we lost on a penalty shoot out there. I missed that day. Yeah. But um, that we 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 deserved to win that night. When you talk about obviously Trevor's or Tricky's his legacy, they're the. So then he'll always remember, be remembered for the manager that didn't quite get us yeah. over the line, yeah. you know. And when you think about the obviously the Watford game, the Preston game, and then it, obviously Sheffield United when we got beat by them four 0 at home, you, the, the, you could say that we sort of 
choked a little bit in, in, in certain situations. Definitely the Sheffield United game at home. Yeah. You know, but like the penalty situation, the penalty, they're the, the toss of the coin. You know, and you think about the boys that missed, it's uh, it's, it's hard for them to take yeah. it at their moment in time. But um, yeah, good times. You can't, you could not get a better atmosphere at, at St Andrews when it was full. You know, and yeah. people talk about obviously what was your best, what was the best atmosphere you've ever, the best atmosphere I ever had at St Andrews was the semi-final against Ipswich. Ipswich yeah. It was unbelievable. Listen, the pitch was crap, the weather was crap, <laughs> but. Like you had the higher, obviously you think we're going through. Then we conceded. Oh, we're not yeah. going through, and and it was just a great night. And the way it all panned out with the pitch, because we got we took a hammering because of the pitch that way, yeah. trying to get it on, and and AJ, it off, and AJ off. finished because of the pitch, <laughs> you know, because of the pitch. But it was um, it was a, it was what a night, yeah. best best night I've had in football. Yeah, a lot of people definitely. a lot of people mm. cite that one as was, one, one of the best. The West Ham one's another one. Yeah, um, twenty eleven. Yeah, yeah. And, the, and the run to the Carling Cup, but yeah. that Ipswich one pops up quite a lot when you yeah. speak to, no, when you speak to especially for the older generation. <laughs> <laughs> uh, did you practice penos? Because you seem to have taken quite a few. Never, times. never practiced. I always enjoyed taking them from a kid. Because mm. um, up until I was sort of 15, 14, 15, I was a centre forward. So when there was a penalty, did you go up front for a bit with Husey? Bit of an injury crisis. Well, I think about. I played up front for six games. Yeah, yeah. I think, um, but I played with um, Alan Johnston. Okay. Um, he was on loan I think he was on loan from Middlesbrough or Sunderland one of them two and uh, I played up front with him for a Big bit man. and I just remember it was a Thursday morning and Trev said he went, he, he went look boys we're struggling I need someone to play I need, we need a centre forward he said is there any volunteers and I, 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 and I just I said look Gaffer I've played up there I've played up there I was 15, up until I was 15 he said I'll give it a go you know what I mean and the boys looked in front and that was it <laughs> and um and he, and, then, and he pulled me after that session. He went, I'm going to make you the next Paul Warhurst. <laughs> <laughs> I'd rather not go. I don't know what that means. But, yeah. but, um, but he, he said, look, he said, it's not going to affect you as like your career here as a centre-half. You know what I mean? I saw where I see you, but I said, we're struggling. And I think I did all right. We, I, I said, I, I think we beat West Ham in the in the Carling Cup or something like that. And I think we beat them 2-1. I think I did all right. Yeah. You know what I mean? Scored a couple of goals and... Yeah, job done. So it was, it, I enjoyed it. it was just run around like a blue, just run around, and stick your head on. That's all they do, and it, it up front. Yeah, that's what I try head to do. Kick. Yeah, help things on. But it was, uh, it was good. It was enjoyable. Yeah, you were named Player of the Season 2000, 2001. Was that your yeah. best season of football you played, or had you done better than that? I don't know, really. I don't know. Um, when you think back. When did you play your best spell? I don't. I, I think if I look back over my career, my best spell was probably at Blues at some stage. Hmm. You know, but I think whether or not that was my best year, because I think it would have been about 23, 24. Um, then I think my best years would have probably been a little bit later on, maybe right. 26, something like that. But yeah. probably didn't get the, the plaudits because there was probably better players. Things, if you've got a centre forward scores 25 goals a year, he's going to get player of the year. Yeah, absolutely. You know what I mean? That year we probably didn't well, have had it this, season. Season, this yeah. season, the perfect example. Shared yeah, Adams Taylor. had to scoop the awards. Yeah. But I mean, you look at Lukas Jukovic's yeah. contribution, Maxime Collin, Michael mm-hmm. Kiftenbell. In other seasons gone by, they they they, 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 they would have got yeah. If if he hadn't got if he'd have scored fifteen goals, there's every chance one of them would have got it. And yeah. I think I think later on in the career, I think probably when maybe Jeff Horsfield or someone like that won it, I'd I'd probably have been a better career for a better season for me personally. But um, obviously that was just the year that I won that. Um, I think my first year at Cardiff when I moved, when I signed for Cardiff, I played I had an excellent season. Yeah. So I'd have been twenty twenty eight then. A bit more experience as a centre half. Um, and I, I think the the longer I've got. I've I've often said that once I got to sort of 34, 
I said, if I knew now what I did at 21, I'd be, you'd be a world beater. Well, in terms of how to apply yourself? Yeah, or? well, no, just not how to apply, just reading the game. Right. You know, and I, I, listen, I was lucky enough, I played non-league football up until I was 41, you know, and didn't really run around a lot, but just organised people and mm. spoke to people. And I think that's something that's going out of the game now. There's not enough talkers and, mm. and organisers. You look at these youngsters that are coming through and, and you try and get them to speak and to talk and, and tell people what they should be doing in front of them and, and nobody speaks. It's just like mutes just running yeah. around the running around the pitch. Yeah. And um and and there's a big there's a big loss of of that sort of person within within football at the moment. Yeah. Uh I know you've talked about this endlessly, but the Wervington Cup final was obviously your I think that's the highlight reel of Darren Percy's time at Blues. <laughs> For any blues fan, you that's the first thing that springs to mind mm. when you hear Darren Purse, just in terms of the day in itself, I know it didn't end as it, it'd like, but what an occasion it was for that many Blues fans to pack out the millennium. Yeah, listen, for me, I've, I've, I've got a good few pals that are, that are Blues fans from my time there, and they, obviously everybody speaks about it. Everybody speaks about, oh, it took me six hours to get there, because I think it was the first one actually in Cardiff, Cardiff wasn't it? and yeah. I think the logistics, Roof was of, closed. The logistics yeah. of getting there, I think it snowed the night before. Right. So the logistics of getting there and everything like that was... Um, was terrible and you speak to people I missed the first 15 minutes and, <laughs> and all that sort of, but for me personally to, as a young kid all you ever dream about is maybe scoring in the cup final I remember like watching Ian Rush scoring in the FA Cup finals and you think one day that'll be me and to, to actually do it mm. was, was unreal and um, I look I look back obviously every year on Twitter and Facebook and all that they showed a goal on, me, on my birthday or yeah. the anniversary of the goal and uh, you look back my daughter is still like sends me pictures of nice. it and, and things like that, which is nice. And um but you look back on it and it's it is such a an, an unreal moment and then I look back and think, what the hell was I doing trying to win me celebration? It's like the worst <laughs> celebration. Because before because I because no, yeah. I, I had so long to think about I'm thinking what can I do to celebrate? You know what I mean? Because <laughs> I, I, I never once while I was standing there holding the ball for I think it's about four minutes, never once thought I'm gonna miss this. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, I, even just a three and a half minute delay. Yeah, yeah. I just, just knew just I was going to score. Celebration. I've got goosebumps sitting here just thinking about it. You know, I, I just knew I was going to score for some reason. I don't know yeah. why. There was, n it was never one bit of doubt. Yeah. I never once when it went through my mind did I think I'm going to miss this. Yeah. So you're thinking you know, about your celebration a bit. Yeah, thinking about thinking about celebration. I had me obviously, dad and mum and everybody like me kids up in the, in the box. Um, so you're thinking about them and what a moment this could be for them. Watch sitting there watching it and. And think, and there's so much, so much goes through your mind because you got so long, because so, I had so long to think about it. Yeah. So, but I just had, instead of sort of standing in around the penalty spot, I just knew I had to get myself away. So I, I just grabbed the ball, and I think I'm up by the halfway line at some point, <laughs> just walking around with the ball. Swanted. So, but it, yeah, just an unreal, surreal moment, and just, yeah, I loved, just loved every minute. Just as soon as you see it at the back of the net and you're celebrating, I said, just a nightmare celebration. <laughs> You can tell though, just talking to you now, how big a moment it was. I did, brilliant, mate. Brilliant. Do you realise at the time how big? It was? I, I, listen, I look back on my career, mate, and I've I did not appreciate it one little bit. Mm. And when when you're when you're eighteen, nineteen, and these the, the senior pros say you got to enjoy every minute of it because it goes like that, you're like no chance. And I don't appreciate. And obviously, when you do a little bit of media stuff and you're in and around training grounds and all that sort of stuff. You look at the first team boys training, and that, and and all it was was just a job. You turn yeah. up, you did your job, walked. You just never appreciated it for what it is, and it's 
it's the best job in the world. Yeah. You know, and I, 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 I wish I'd appreciated it a little bit more than what I did, but loved it. Mm. Rub, rub that day, weren't we? Should have oh, totally. Penalty, we should, should have yeah. won the game. Should have won. Whether or not we get the penalty when, when AJ goes down, it's a, it's a definite penalty. But for the, for extra time, we played with ten men as well. Martin O'Connor was struggling. Mm. Skip was struggling. You know, he, he couldn't move. He couldn't move at all. Mm. So he ended up playing like a centre half. I think he didn't. He didn't move. But even with ten men, we we battered them for extra time and, and should should have won. Yeah. Um, you've already talked about the the playoff disappointments. Even the Preston one. I mean. If the rules were as they were now, Blues go through on away. Yeah, yeah totally. It's it's, it's just. But like when you talk about the Wembley Cup final and that, the build up to that day was yeah. brilliant. I think we went down like two, three days beforehand. I think um, David Sullivan had his Welsh mate at a hotel down there, right. so we went down. It's on a golf course and all that sort of stuff. So we went there. But I just remember that you, know, you look back and characters within a dressing room. Like we had Michael Johnson, Benno, Ian Bennett. He, Crackers, absolute crackers, and we—I um, think Grange was there. One evening, we just went for a walk around this this golf course, and <laughs> as we've walked around, obviously Benno's making his silly noise. I think he's got there's a few clips of him as well making his bird noises yeah, and all that sort yeah, of stuff. Yeah, video diary. Yeah, there's a video diary of it. So we're doing that, and Jono was doing that. But randomly, in the middle of this field, we've seen this sheep, and it's upside down like that. <laughs> itself <laughs> but it couldn't turn itself over we're, we're seeing this sheep like it might have been the night before like we were in the cup final there's this sheep down on its back and um, so we're all going what are we going to do what are we going to do so we're like kids in a sweat what are we going to do we didn't know what to do so it took us about an hour we're sitting there looking at this sheep and we end up like quickly just turning it over and a sheep runs off just, but like I was just thinking about that just random things are just you do what now if you, if, you, yeah. now if you used to say to like, like um, whoever's in the cup final you say, what did you do the night before and sat there watching, what did you do the night before yeah turn the sheep over and save the sheep's life you know what I mean it's bizarre it's bonding, isn't it? but, but you did like 20 years ago it was fine Nobody's, but if, we, if you used to walk out of a hotel the night before a cup final to, yeah. nowadays there'd be people taking photos of you yeah. and everything and you could do it years ago you can't do it now nah, it's making how many sheep there are near Randall. Wembley uh, yeah, is it many? Can't, I can't imagine. Can't, can't team, imagine many. No, no. That's it. no. no it's Man. amazing how quickly it's changed. Those like, yeah, it has. It's, it's, eighteen uh, years, and yet the social media and the spotlight on players now. Yeah. The, the, the stresses that are put on young players, and you know, we talk at length about you know young players, and you say they probably have too much too soon. Just players who concentrate on their you know their brand, their image yeah. before they've achieved anything is probably a pet hate that we have. You know, you see the young players who haven't probably played in professional level yet or haven't achieved anything yeah. or got themselves in the squad and yet it's all on their Instagram and they're bothered mm -hmm. about what pictures and how yeah. they look. And Influencers. Just, yeah. but, but I think there's, obviously nowadays you've got a lot of, a lot of young players are more interested in that than their actual career. You know, and you get these lads that are 21, 22, 23 years of age playing in under 21, under 23 football and never played a first team game. Mm. Now, I, I think for their personal career... At, at 21 years of age, if you if you're if you haven't made a first team appearance at a championship club, then that's not your level. You know your level might be League Two, your mm. level might be the Conference South or something mm. like. That. But you've got by 21 years of age, you've got to have found your level. Mm. So that means at 18, 19, you've got to go out and play a couple of levels below. Go and play your 20, 30 games for somebody in a six-month loan spell. You know, because that will stand you in better stead than just playing under 21, under 23 football. And you get a lot of these young lads at. at get released at 21 years of age 
and they drop down the leagues and they just don't understand what football is all about. Football is about going out every afternoon and playing for three points. Mm. It's not going out there and playing the best game of football. Yeah, I played 300 passes today, but every single one of them was square mm. and we lost the game 1-0. It's about going out, finding out how you're going to win this game of football by hook or by crook and going out and doing it. And that's what football is all about. Yeah. And a lot of these young players don't understand that. No. You know, and, and they need to go out to the lower levels of football, get their experience, get their the nitty gritty side of football, and the, the sooner sooner or later the switch clicks. Mm, absolutely. Um, I've got a story about tats in a minute. We're talking yeah. about no, that. Let's go, let's so exactly. should we go for it now? Yeah, I'm talking about obviously getting away with things as well. So we went um, first first season we got in the Premier League. We um, the tats will love this one as well. Mm. We uh, we went to Malaysia and played in the Asia yeah, Cup. That. Yeah. yeah, Newcastle, so we went, Chelsea, Newcastle, Chelsea, and, Chelsea and the Malaysian yeah. national team. So we went out there, and to be fair, it was all right. We played a bit of golf, we had a couple of nights out, but it was scary. Like when you're driving in, there was like a thousand people staying outside the hotel and all that sort of stuff. It's huge over there. But so we had a couple of nights out in the hotel. We had a couple of nights in the hotel. We had a few beers and all that sort of stuff. And Tats was in the hotel with us, so we found out his room number and everything like that. And obviously he's He's report. I think he's reporting yeah, for the Bale. Birmingham Mail yeah, at the yeah. time. So every every day he must have had to have come up with three, four stories. He's chatting to everybody, watching the sessions, taking photos. So this night we were having a few beers. There's a pool table. It got to it must have been about two in the morning, something like that. And Tats is on the pool table having a dance around, <laughs> standing on the top of this pool table. So the lads are sort of having a laugh and a joke with him. So we've gone, all right, we'll go up, we'll trash his room. <sighs> So we got up Trashy's room and, and, and the, so we got his key, did that, turned his bed over, everything. There was there was crap soap everywhere, all over his clothes, every proper Trashy's room. And he's woke up the next morning, obviously he's got to find a story today, hasn't he? To open up his laptop, his laptop was smashed. Oh, <laughs> so I don't know how he got away with it. He must have had a stinking hangover. So in the end, the lads did a bit of a whip round. So yeah, so to go out and buy him a new computer because they smashed his computer up. But I just remember at two o'clock in the morning, just having a little boogie up on this, on this pool table. Yeah. But he was uh, he, he was good to have around because you when you say try, you, you trusted him. Yeah. You knew he yeah. weren't going to stitch you up. You you can have a few beers with him. And the story, whatever stories you'd put out, so like they'd, they'd have you in a good light rather than the bad light. Where mm. I think mean, nowadays a lot of journalists have uh, have got a yeah, have got a, a, clickbait a, stuff. Yeah. yeah, I'm a bit disappointed he's never mentioned that yeah, story. Is he not? So asking him about it, he was he was brilliant. Will, but he, he was good to have on tours than that. Yeah, um, I want to touch upon the two games against Millwall. You played in them both yeah. uh, as a Millwall fan. Mm-hmm. What was that like? Because that is quite a dramatic night at the Den. No, brilliant. I'm as a Mill fan, it's hard. But then I speak speak to my dad. My dad followed Mill. My dad was a bit of a thug when it early on. Yeah, he was. Yeah. He'd go home and away. He'd end up getting arrested on away days. And I think when my, when I was born, my mum said to him, she said, "Look, you've either got to choose Mill or your son." And to be fair, he chose me, which was quite <laughs> nice. But um, yeah, so but he still listen. He still goes around and follows follows them around but he follows them a little bit different now I, I sort of get him tickets and that yeah, sort of yeah. stuff so he, does he actually bit, watches the game yeah he actually yeah. watches the game does yeah. a bit of corporate rather than going and trying to get arrested <laughs> and have a row yeah. but um, yeah the mil- the home game was pr- great atmosphere again you know obviously did we draw one all yeah. at home yeah was it uh, yeah one because uh, Dion Dublin scored didn't he yeah you know, to, to he, draw. First, he scored first no I think he, he scored, I, I, they yeah we scored they equalised yeah, didn't they so yeah, so to go away from we we always fancy ourselves to go through. 
because um, the way we were playing, we were, we were a decent side, and we, we always fancied uh, to go down to the den, full house. It's very similar. The, the, the fans are very similar to Blues fans. You know, mm-hmm. they they want the best for their team, and they'd rather have somebody that's going to run for a brick wall for their team rather than have a tippy tappy footballer mm-hmm. that looks pretty on the ball. And so we knew it was going to be a tough game, but. When you've got players like Stern, John, and people like Stern and, and people yeah. like that in the side, you know you, you've got a chance of it. And I think he was the first, one of the first games that Bruce played. I think he played Olivier Tabilly just in yeah, front of did. the back four. And he's like a man, man. And as a, as, a back, as a back player, and, you, and you've got him in front of you, it's just, yeah, he just stopped most things from coming through to you. He was like a little bat, battering yeah. ram. So, um, yeah, and when, when he scored last minute, it was, was it two minutes ago? Yeah, it was, ago? Yeah, it was late as you. Right at the and, death. Uh, it was unreal, yeah. The way, but then after the game, I don't think we left the the, the ground till about two in the morning. Yeah, they locked the fans in because they were turning cars over and for for at least an hour. We didn't get we didn't come out of the ground uh-huh. or an hour and a half. Yeah. But then I think it got to about midnight, and the the fa- the police were saying, "Look, we can't let you leave the ground." So we we like we had family in the away end, and they opened up the thing and obviously let them chat, let, yeah, let, let us let them come into the ground, and, and we was just sitting there having a chat. And I think it was about one one thirty in the morning before yeah. before we left that night. Yeah, it's quite a lot of trouble wasn't so it, between it'd be fans proper and the kicked off. But I'd, I'd speak speak to my dad before the game, saying, "How'd you feel about?" It? He said, "Look, you got." To I want you to do well, you know. Listen, as much as I support Millwall, are you his boy, aren't you? And uh, he said, no matter what, I'll be going to Wembley. So I'll just <laughs> yeah, can't lose. <laughs> that. Yeah. Was it Wembley or Millennium uh, Stadium? Millennium, yeah. He said, no matter what, I'll be going to Cardiff in in, in ten days' time. But um, yeah, yeah, I think he's heart of hearts. He wanted he wanted his son to do well and and, and get get the opportunity to play in the Premier League, and it was good. But I was lucky enough, sort of. 15 years later to go and play for my boyhood club which was uh, yeah, nice. which was brilliant to do that for 18 months was was excellent yeah uh, did you know you were suspended what time you I knew I was suspended yeah what did you, did I, you got, I got sent off against Sheffield United so you knew home. that you couldn't play in the... and, um, but I, I always say to this day because I think I stopped so we were 1-0 up Sheffield United at home and I stopped in going through one on one we won 2-0 that day yeah. and, and we won the game so I was the reason we got promoted. Darren <laughs> 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 Carter takes it. all these. That's it. It, it was, it was me, Sheffield United at home. So if I hadn't done that, we'd have drawn and we wouldn't have, uh, we wouldn't have got in the playoff. No, but right. no it's, uh, it's, it's funny. I, I, it was one of, it's one of the things I had to deal with throughout my career. I, I, I was always getting suspended. It was, But if I didn't do that, I wouldn't have been the player that I, yeah. that I, sort of, I wouldn't have had the career that I had. It was yeah. part of one of the flaws of, of, of me as a person. It was just the way it goes. Yeah. What What was it like that day, the the playoff final from a from hard. a non-playing perspective? Yeah. Hard, so hard. Because I I knew, you look back on it now, and it it took about three years for me to like. You see the people nowadays that are in squads and all that sort of stuff. I I couldn't go up and celebrate on the podium with them mm-hmm. and things like that. They would not. It was just the playing team, playing squad. Obviously, I walked around the the, the pitch with a with a cup and all that with the boys, but. Um, yeah, but to not go on the on the on the podium and mm-hmm. have the fireworks, you stand and watching it from the side, that was really mm-hmm. tough. Especially when you know you've really played tough. your part. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think I played about forty games that year, you know, and to do that was was hard. But you knew there was a there was a bigger there was a bigger prize there, and that was to the opportunity to play in the Premier League. And I think at that time I was having a big um, contract dispute with, right. with a club. I because that time I think I had a year left on my contract, and to be fair, they was offering me peanuts for. For championship football and and obviously once we got into the Premier League it, it changed. I wanted to. I, I always wanted to stay at the club. It was just 
I wanted to I wanted to be paid what I was worth. When yeah. you see players that are earning a lot more than what what you are, then um, you you want to you want to be played what what, what you're worth mm. as a mm. as a player. And so, but once I got promoted, I think within a couple of weeks I'd signed my contract and opportunity to play in the Premier League. Yeah. Um, before we touch on the Premier League, what was you? You mentioned your disciplinary record. Was it out of clumsiness rather than maliciousness, or did I, you, listen, I've again? never once gone on that pitch and tried to hurt someone. Yeah. You know, Adrian Mutu tried to say that he did, didn't he? I've talked about this before for an elbow apparently against Chelsea. Oh yeah, but I'm not be funny. You can catch going up for headers. Maybe. You're always going to yeah, catch yeah. people. Yeah, he spat um, me out afterwards. Don't really care to be fair. With <laughs> but like, I've, I've made some crap tackles, you know, against Villa and Gell. You know, yeah. nowadays I'd have been sent off a hundred percent for that, but mm. got a yellow card. I, I, I did a tackle on Andy Cole and give him ten stitches down his shin. But I never, never. Yeah. When I was going for that tackle, I'm going to top you and and try and break your leg. And mm. never, always trying to go for the ball and sometimes just mistime it, you know. Mm. And yeah, it, it's hard. But that was that was just me. I, I had to I had to have that sort of that edge to me otherwise I, I, I wouldn't have I wouldn't have played as many games as I played I wouldn't have been the player that I'd, hopefully I'd turn out to be yeah absolutely and you started in the Premier League in that 2 yeah. season that was was that? Is that, did you see a lot of changes in the club that summer because obviously to reach that level there's a few faces coming in but they kept the, score, the no, core yeah, of the squad the core together, of the squad they just yeah. added that little bit of quality like, I think yeah. Stephen Clements came in people like that had, obviously had Premier League Sav came in the first mm-hmm. season he didn't even yeah Sav came in the first season um, and he's he's one of them players Sav you just what when you when you speak about Robbie Savage, you'd rather him on your side than not, mm. you know. And I I, I used to love Savage. You, you'd walk off the walk off the pit uh, off the coach away games, and as he's walking over, listen to this boy. As he walks off, boo! They start throwing <laughs> things at him. Horrible, horrible person. But he was he was a he was a great lad, yeah. you know. You could see why like Nico Vassin gave him a right off cut one day after training because he. he he was just always in your ear, always. I'm the best player. I'm this. I'm that. All this money, so chirpy. Yeah. And some people, sometimes people, just he just sent people over the wrong line. I remember yeah. Nico Vassin giving him a right hook in the changing room because he just he just kept on at him. <laughs> you know, but that was quite fun. Lads sort of giving Nico a bit of a round of applause. Yeah, fair play, mate. Well done, Nick. But he was. You'd uh, he, rather have him on your team than not. Yeah. Um, that first season in the Premier League, I brought Matthew Upson in. Yeah. So that's a bit of competition I, for you. We we spelled uh, my first the first I think I've played the first twenty games of that, that Premier League season and I think I got um I had a operation on my ankle. Uh it had been niggling me for a for a few months. Um and it was supposed to be two weeks I'd be back playing. And uh when you talk about injuries and how they affect your career and all I went in on the I went in on the Saturday Saturday night after the game. Had the operation on the Saturday evening. Um, left it a week, and I had one little I had a little. Obviously, they, they, you have a little stitch on on either side of the ankle just to go in. So I just washed it out. Within a week, it still hadn't closed up. Right. So it got to ten days, and I was, had to start running again. I think we was playing again on the Monday night. So I had like. 18 days between the operation and, and playing again and the, the, the surgeon was like yeah it'd fine. be fine it's just a question well, I took a couple of little things out it'd be fine and this one little one, one little side hadn't, hadn't closed up so I was running and it got to that Saturday night and I knew I weren't going to be fit for the Monday because I was struggling got to that Saturday night and I was out for dinner with, a, with the ex-wife with the missus and she um, and my ankle just went bang, just went up like a balloon. I had all yellow pus pumping oh, out of it and everything. And I went, this ain't right. So I rang Neil McDiamond. I rang him, Neil, three o'clock in the morning. My ankle's not right, mate. Mm. 
So I met him at the training ground on a Sunday morning um, and he took me straight out to see the surgeon. I had an operation that afternoon oh. to clear it all out. So from being out, well, I was going to be out for two weeks. I was out for four months, I think. Wow. Um, was it just infection? In the yeah, ankle? infection. I was on like, I had septicemia. Wow. So I was in, in hospital for about 10 days, being pumped full of antibiotics, which was a, which was a nightmare. And obviously that's, uh, that came, the January came and I think Upson Bruce brought in Matty Upson. Yeah. Which, listen, he had to do because yeah. obviously he was thinking, and from there, I probably, I think I played about 50, 60 more games over the next couple of seasons. Yeah. I was sort of in and out, in and out. And that's when the West Brom move came about. Because I, 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 I hated not playing for, I'd rather play at a lesser level yeah. and play first team football than, than be on the fringes. It, was, it wasn't the sort of player I was. Yeah. Were you honest with the club about that and the club honest with you? When yeah, but, but listen, Brucey Bruce was good as gold. I, I think I spoke to him sort of the third season it would have been of, of playing in the Premier League. I spoke to him and said, look, I'm not, I need to be playing again. He said, just stick with me to the end of the season. He said, then I've got half a chance. He said, and I'll, I'll look after you. I'll get, make sure it's the right move for you. And, and West Brom probably was a good move for me at the time. Yeah. We'll talk about time away from Blues. How was West Brom, first of all, the first place? All right, for, brilliant. Played under Gary Meggs and I was captain um, for the first half of the season. It, it was excellent. You know, we were sort of in and around the bottom three. Or, and um, and then Brian Robson came in, Gary Megson got the sack and Brian Robson came in and just did not see eye to eye to yeah. him at all, with him at all. Just... Yeah, I'll, I'll keep my things to myself yeah, about yeah. it. But if I, if I wanted to say it, be I'll get done for <laughs> for slander, defamation, <laughs> yeah, defamation yeah, of character. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, just didn't see eye to eye with him. Yeah, and that was that. And I didn't play the sort of second half. I played sort of two or three games second half of the season, and that was it. And that was the great escape season. And when you talk about obviously, I missed out on the playoff final, and then obviously the last game of the season when we stay up against Portsmouth again. When you're standing on the sidelines yeah. and you're seeing it from from the outside, it was it was hard, it was hard. But you've had the best seat in the house for two of the most memorable yeah, times. No, no, they so, uh, yeah, you say best it. seat in the house, worst seat in the house. Do you know house. what I mean? A, you know what I mean? It, no, it, as a supporter, I had the best seat in the house because you could see yeah, everything was but going. Not but probably the worst, worst seat in the house because yeah. you're not, you're involved in it, but, but you not. can't get involved. You can't, yeah. like, you haven't Share got the emotion and all that sort of stuff. And something after that game that has probably stood me in good stead as well. Remember, we had Kev Campbell. Playing and like everybody's in the dressing room spraying champagne about and all that sort of stuff. And when you speak speak to people and how they change your views on things, the older you get. And he was just sitting in the corner and just looking at it. And I went, "You right?" He went, "He went, yeah." He said, I'm "Just taking it all in." <laughs> he, he never got involved in the jumping about, the spraying of the champagne and the singing. Yeah. He just stood there and watched everybody else do it and yeah. just. The way different people yeah, yeah. assess assess what goes on, appreciating what was going and on. That's in what he, he said. Look, I never expected this. I signed in January from Everton. Never expected to to have this. Yeah. I thought I'd be playing Championship football, and he said, "Now I've got another year in the Premier League." You know. Yeah. He said it's brilliant. It's quite. You hear a lot of senior pros when they talk to young players in particular who have experienced success. Say to them, make sure you enjoy it because it don't oh, come yeah. along. And I know it was a it was avoiding relegation, but in terms of that season, it was a massive, no, success. massive success. First time it seemed to be bottom at Christmas and stay yeah, up. Huge. So, and I think you hear a lot of senior pros tell young players, make sure you take this in and enjoy it because you don't these days don't come along. No, but you don't often. appreciate. Obviously, when I've said about, I, I never appreciated my career at all until probably now. Mm. And you look back on it now, so 
but when you're playing it is you do just see it as your job you yeah. turn up with your wash bag every day it's a jolly <laughs> yeah. up you know what I mean yeah. what car am I going to buy yeah, I'm going to yeah. do that you know? and now you, when you see it from the outside you think well, yeah Matt could I have done things different yeah totally you could have done things different but you see it now and it's uh, I'd never have any regrets no. of it but maybe I'd appreciate it a little bit more yeah four years at Cardiff good times there brilliant I Cardiff and Blues. People say, "What was the best club?" I, I, I know I'm on Blues TV, right? And I'll, listen, <laughs> be careful what pro- you're about to it, say. It, it, it would be, I'd say, on the pitch, I'd say Blues yeah. for for what we achieved and everything like. Off the pitch and everything like, because I'd say Cardiff. Yeah. Because Cardiff was an, it was, it was a great project. You know, I signed in. I signed with um, David Jones had just gone into Cardiff, um, and I, I'd, it was one of them that's similar to I wanted to play football and obviously I had two years left on my contract at West Brom you know and I just could not stand Brian Robson mm. and um, Jeremy Peace the chairman pulled me he said Cardiff and my agent knew about it anyway but said Cardiff want to sign you he said right, and then you start negotiating well, how much going to pay me up the contract <laughs> but I t- literally I, I, I left with pretty much nothing I had two years and you look at people nowadays that do yeah, it. Yeah. I left West Brom with pretty two much nothing left. Amazing. I had two years left. I could have sat there and picked up decent money, yeah. but I just wanted to play football. And it goes to show, the way you're talking about Cardiff, what a great decision mm. that yeah, was. Yeah, no, I, I, do you know what? No matter what money West Brom would have paid, I'd have, I'd have gone in a yeah. heartbeat because was, there was a project going on. And one of my biggest regrets is, obviously, I never got to play in the new stadium of Cardiff, and that was always the carrot at the end of everything. And mm. Peter Risdale was there, Sam a man. Um, and just yeah, it was so an upward trajectory. Then the club weren't they? They were yeah, no, it, it were... was brilliant. It was brilliant, and to be captain of that for four years was was fantastic to see how everything was developing and um, and the way the squad was developing as well. Because I remember I met Dave Jones on the Friday afternoon at the um, Hilton at Bromsgrove. So we're sitting there having a chat, explaining what what his vision of the club and all that sort of stuff was. I went, yeah, yeah. I was, and they was going up to Scotland on a Saturday and they was playing at Quinton Stanley. And I said, I'll, I'll come up. Said, so I met Sam and Man on the Saturday afternoon on the way up at, at Stoke, at the Holiday Inn at Stoke, and then um, drove up and watched the at Quinton Stanley game. And no word of why I signed for Cardiff, I will never know, because really? they were... <laughs> no word, they were terrible. I looked at the players and I thought, how the hell is he going to put this together? Mm. And so I spoke to him on the Sunday. He said, Percy, you've got to trust me on this. He said, I know, I know that, that it's not great. Mm. But he said, you just got to trust me. And to be fair to me, he bought, obviously, myself, Michael Chopra, Steve McFowl, yeah. like called Steve Thompson, Jay Boffroyd, um, just like, quality. And Aaron Ramsey, Chris Gunter, people like that coming Young through the academy. And he just put a brilliant brilliant team together yeah you know and that's when you, when you talk about sides that should have got promoted at Blues it took us four years that was a side at Cardiff that should have should got have promoted gone. the first or second time that they did it and, yeah but that took three four years to do good dressing room as well yeah brilliant dressing room and that's why I, I, I quite I pride myself a little bit on because I was captain at Blues for a few years obviously Cardiff wherever I've been captain at clubs there's always been that sort of Good dressing room that looks after theirself. The manager does, doesn't have to step in. Yep. There's always that respect within each other, but also the family side of it outside as well always got on. And I think it helped. When I say about Cardiff, the family side off the pitch or like the the the, the off the pitch camaraderie, because I think it was all on its own and everybody had moved there. It was a great night out as well. It, it yeah, helped. Yeah, great city. It helped. Lively fans. Mm. Yeah, I, I'll probably. Blues, Cardiff, I'll probably the, the luckiest. Yeah. 
to, to fans to play for. You know what I mean? They'd be in your top three or four, wouldn't yeah, they? You yeah. know, Blues, Cardiff, Millwall. Yeah, yeah. And I think that helped me because the way I played it always helped because I had that affiliation yeah, to the to the fans because that's all they expect from you as a footballer. Yeah, hundred uh, percent. Sheffield Wednesday. Yeah. Got relegated the first year. That was the, probably the first time I was thirty-two, and I was when I was when I was leaving Cardiff. I had a chance to sign in for Norwich in the January uh, when I met Brian Gunn, who was manager then, and I would have been yeah, I'd just I'd have been sort of thirty-two, just yeah. thirty-two, and Dave Jones, and you know when I, I had a big falling out with Dave Jones because we had a disagreement and all that sort of stuff because um, he thought I, I couldn't quite play at the next level at the Premier League mm-hmm. and the top of the Championship and we had that disagreement and to be fair to him at 32 I probably couldn't right you know I, I look I look did back now did you argue now, the case though at the time so. 100% I still think I could yeah, yeah. but I look back probably now 10 years later yeah. and probably yeah I probably lost that yard of pace yeah. um, still still tried my best you know what I mean yeah, but yeah. yeah probably lost that yard of pace and when I went to Sheffield Wednesday Obviously, at 32, 33 years of age, they were expecting big things from you as captain and all that sort of stuff. And I probably didn't reach the heights that they expected. Yeah. And that, listen, I, I look, I, I will always be ultra critical of myself. And I look back on that and I think, yeah, but we had a bad dressing room. Right. We had Franny Jeffers, um, Leon Clark, um, people like that. Um, and I don't want to speak, but yeah. they, they were wrong ones. Yeah. They affected the dressing room massively. You know, and obviously I want to go into management and that's where, when you've got players like that around the dressing room, you've got to get rid of them early doors. Because yeah. they, they, as much as you think, well, I'll just keep them around because uh, I ain't got kind of awful. And yeah. that was probably the first time over the four, like, four or five clubs that I've been at that I'd seen a real bad dressing room. Yeah. And that was, uh, yeah, and that was why we got relegated because the players we had, we should have been all right, but... But we were, yeah. There was a, there was a lot of poison around the place. You hear so many players and managers talk about that dressing room mm-hmm. and the mood within it and the players within it. As big. It's, it's now, when especially when you're recruiting players to bring them into the club, yeah. no matter how good you are, if your attitude's wrong and you're a yeah. bit of poison in there, because it starts to affect the young boys. In no, it there does. It's huge. All the people coming through. They, obviously, if you've got an 18 year old lad that's just signing as a pro and he's looking at sort of Franny Jeffers and people like that, they're having. And it's not just Christoph Gary the second yeah. year. If you're looking at people like that and you're a young lad coming through, you look at him and think, well, if he can get away with it, I can get away with it. Yeah. You know, and it's it, it shows you the massive thing of having a, a, a good dressing room and that that, that yeah. sort of real buzz and collectiveness around there. You can achieve great things. Yeah. And then you get the chance to play for your board club. Yeah, do you know what? I'd said Milan Mandovic came into Sheffield Wednesday and um, spoke to him. I, I had a clause in my contract and if I played 30 games in my second year... Mm. I got an extra year and I played 28 and he just, just brought the club and the first thing he did literally after an hour of it thingy, he called me into his office, him and his, um, I'm trying to think what his, his chief executive was who he just appointed, he went, Percy, he said, I love you as a man, he said, but you're not playing 30 games. I <laughs> went, <laughs> no worries, Milan, that's fine. He said, um, he said, look, we'll pay you up the rest of your contract yeah. if you want. Um, he said, if you can find somewhere else, go and find somewhere else. If not, you'll be leaving at the end of the season. For his honesty, you know. Yeah. No, no, and I, I've always said that. As a footballer, yeah. that's all you want is honesty. Yeah. I went, no worries, man. I no grudges, you know what I mean? I'll yeah. move on. And um, literally made a couple of phone calls. And I rang a mate of mine called Dave Ford, goalkeeper at Millwall. Ford, how's it going, mate? How's it going down here? And Irish? He went, yeah, keeper, the Irish yeah, yeah. keeper. 
because he was at Cardiff with me. Yeah. And um, he went, he went, Percy, he said, we're desperate for a centre-half. I said, well, give me Kenny's number and we'll get, so I'll run Kenny's jacket. And he went, yeah, Percy, he said, done. And literally, I'd, I'd spoke to him on the phone for about 10 minutes. I think this was a Thursday. And on the Friday morning, I was in with um, the secretary at, at Sheffield Wednesday, getting me contract done. Um, and while I was up in Sheffield, I'd, I hadn't even met Kenny Jacket or anything like that. No but just like spoke to him on the phone, signed me contract with Millwall, met him at the met him at the uh, at a hotel Friday night at Leicester and, and played against Leicester City on the Saturday <laughs> for Millwall. Manufacturing the move. You know yeah. what I mean? It's, it's yeah, just yeah. funny how things go. You know what I mean? I, I remember speaking speaking to my dad on the uh, on the Friday morning. I was like, Dad, I'm, uh, I think I've signed him for Millwall. He went. He joked. <laughs> I don't know. He said, uh, well, I'd sp I spoke to him the night before, just like saying that might, this might be happening. Mm. And um, I no, I think I told him that on the Thursday that I was leaving Sheffield Wednesday. And then on Friday, I think I think got half a chance. He said, fans are going to Leicester to watch Millwall tomorrow. He went, yeah, fuck. No, so right. in the end, I had about bloody 50 people going to watch the yeah. game at Leicester. That, was, that must have been, uh, for, considering he's followed your career and he's seen you play at big games, for you to sign for the club that he's followed home and away and you're... No, br that's gotta be no brilliant. Uh, for, for me, just being around the place and all that, was, was uh, I never really got involved in that too much, if yeah. you know what I mean, because you're playing. But when we were in cup finals and big games, I'd always go down and still do, probably go and watch three or four games a year whenever mm. I can. And um, yeah, but to, to, to put the shirt on and play for Millwall was... Was unreal. Yeah, yeah it's, it's a great club and the, the fans are superb. But I never remember. I always remember, and this is back from the um, Birmingham Millwall game. And like my dad's got loads of pals um, who support Millwall. So on that game, I remember this bloke standing in the halfway lane. He's a breaking play. He's got up. He's gone. Perch, you're. <laughs> and my dad's mate, Buddy's nickname was because mm. he had really small ears like huge unit could be a bouncer mm. and I remember watching him from about five he was about five rows behind this fella he's walked down the thing and I look at him and I've clocked tyres with him and he's gone got this person <laughs> <laughs> he's knocked out he's put this lad on the thing he went, he's one of us you leave him alone right? <laughs> this bloke's looking at him <laughs> and walked back up the thing so that was that was quite funny but in the middle of like the the, the big sort of the, one, probably the biggest game of the year the yeah, playoff yeah. semi-final one of yeah. the biggest games of the year I'm standing on the side of one of my dad's pals offering this low pack because <laughs> he's calling me names. Yeah, it, was, yeah. uh, it was quite surreal. Yeah. Um, I had a fair few clubs after that. Plymouth went alone, went away. Yeah, yeah when I, I, was at, uh, I was at Millwall and you can, uh, back to that, I wanted to play football, you know. Yeah. And it got, I spent sort of 18 months at Millwall or just under 18 months and I, I, wanted, to, I wanted to play football. And a mate of mine, Terry Skiven, was at Yeovil. He, and he wanted someone on loan. I weren't playing at Millwall, and so Kenny said, "Yeah, go down to Millwall." Mm -hmm. And while I was down there, I bumped into Peter Risdale in a service station, who was the chairman at Cardiff, and he'd just gone into Plymouth. And he said, "Do you fancy coming down?" And I looked at it, and when you talk about decisions, and I looked at it, Millwall, uh, Plymouth were nine points adrift at the bottom of League Two. I, I, I played against Plymouth when they were in a Championship, good club, and mm. everything like that. I'm looking at how the hell are they there? Mm. He went, he went, Percy said, and they'd just come out of administration and he offered me <laughs> the most ridiculous deal you'll ever, really? you'll ever realise. And I looked at it, I said, Peter, look, I said, the bottom of league two, mate. I said, you can't be offering me that money. Yeah. He said, Percy, trust me. He said, you, you come in, we'll stay up. 
And I said, I said, I said, yeah, we, you might do. I That's said, but, but I'm, I'm thinking of like the the well-being of the football club yeah. and all that sort of stuff. And like he was offering me, it was less than what I was on at Millwall, but he was offering me close to what I was on at Millwall. And I was on oh, it right at Millwall, yeah. you know. And um, I went, oh, no worries. I said, well, speak to Kenny and see what he says. So Kenny Jacket, he was, he was really, he was really, he, he said, Percy, don't do. It. He said, just stay around here for a, for the rest of the season. He said that it's your boyhood club, and and um, and I and I and I'd made my decision. I said I wanted to. I want to go and do it. I want to go and play for something. Yeah. You know, because there was something there, and um, so he, he said, look, if you really want to do it, it's fine. He said, like, we'll tear your contract up and 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 go. So I went and signed for Plymouth, and um, so I signed on loan initially, and then January signed permanent. And Carl Flett, he signed pretty similar. When you talk about dressing rooms and all that. We had a real young side, like probably six youth team players, 18 year And he signed myself, a lad called Paul Watton, played for um, Southampton, played for Plymouth for years, like centre midfielder, very similar to me. A mm. uh, lad called Nick Chadwick, who was a centre forward, and Warren Feeney. Yeah. So that was the spine of the team. Everything else was 18, 19 years old. And the he had us at 35, yeah. 36, a lot of us. And it worked. And it worked. We, he, we just got this... Sweet, sweet Caroline, got that on. The lads were buzzing <laughs> off it. So no good lie. Before a game, we'd play it seventeen times, really? and after a game, seventeen times. But everybody'd be up singing it in a huddle right. and all that sort of stuff. And we just started winning matches just from pure rolling our sleeves up, grinding one nil results out. We'd nick a goal, sit back in, and like me and Watto would just organise everything. And Chaddy and Fino would like score a couple really? of goals. We had a couple of young lads that just run, run around. We'd organise them. And we stayed up. Yeah, we stayed up with two games to go. This, if you give me that nine points of drift oh, at, wow, yeah. at, at Christmas and you and you stay up, it's, it's your it great phenomenal. escape. That no, it, it was. It was, and I looked at it now. And when you talk about decisions, I, I'd take that over any money or anything yeah. like that you'd give me because it was just it was just brilliant. Do you think if you didn't bump into him at the service station, he'd still called you up, or is that just a chance I don't know. meeting? Just, I think it's a chance meeting, and then just sends your career that yeah. way, and you go just and achieve. Meeting, it's amazing how it works sometimes. And you go, it's just a, uh, but a yeah, random. Like it's it, we talk about fit, and people would never do it now. So I was still living in Northampton. I jumped the train down from North London's thing. I got sponsored by First Great Western. I jumped the train down from London to uh, to London, uh, from Northampton to London. I'd get the sleeper train every Sunday night. Oh, on the so, road. Yeah, I, I, so yeah, so I'd leave at eleven o'clock Paddington Station, get into Plymouth at seven o'clock next oh. morning, have a sleep on the train. And that was that. And like I'd come back on a Tuesday night and then travel and I'd drive back on the Thursday morning. Yeah. But it's just what you did. Yeah. You know, it's random. But the kids would never do that nowadays, would no, they? It's Commune half that though. Yeah. yeah. I know you picked up on his time in um Finland. Finland, yeah, two spells in Finland. No, I've had to, when I was I was sixteen at um at Orient and uh, got the opportunity to go and play out in Finland. Um I'd, I'd, I'd maybe debut in the February and sort of played about 15 games at Orient, went out there and played out in Finland just just to keep me going. Mm. I, I'd keep that momentum going. Obviously, I'd play, I'd maybe debut, stay fit during the summer, play loads of games and come back. So I did that when I was 16 or, or 17, which was a great experience. Um, just the randomness of, of living in a different country. Finland is one of them. Where I went and played, it's like quite far up the north. So... Daylight. It's like, yes, daylight pretty yeah, much all the time. I'd be going for runs at three in the morning trying to get myself to sleep, <laughs> so just to get into it. So yeah. did that and then came back and somebody I'd met while I was out in Finland at that time and a pal of mine went and played out and my best mate 
uh, went out and played out there um, after me. So I put him in, in contact with him and he went out and played for a team called EFCO Moriham. I'd finished at Port Vale and um, Mickey Adams said, look, I said, I don't think you can play in League One. Obviously, we just got promoted from League Two. Mm. I disagreed with him. Probably now, I probably agree with him and say, yeah, you're probably right. Yeah. You know, I was 36. So they rang me up and said, look, we're, we want to qualify for the Europa League. He said, we've got about 15 games left. Do you fancy coming out for a few months? And uh, I went, yeah, might as well. Fair play. Can't do it. I'd, I'd, Did you have family then? I had family, yeah. yeah, yeah. I had family. Did this. this and the Plymouth thing probably cost me my marriage. You know what <laughs> yeah. I mean? But that's the, uh, that's the way of the world. Um, but yeah, just wanted to go and do it. I've done pre-season, done pre-season here at Northampton under Aidy Boffride. And... Uh, you know, when you talk about the in League Two, as I said, I just got promoted from League Two with Port Vale, he should have signed me that summer. Mm. Whether or not he, he'll agree to that or not. But I, I did pre-season, I played about five, six games for him. I scored, I scored about half a dozen goals as well in pre-season. Mm. And the Northampton fans were all, yeah, brilliant, it'd be a great signing, he didn't sign me. I, sort of, I, I half tried to force the issue with him and say, I've got somebody else lined up. Yeah. And, uh, and, he, and he just weren't having it. So I don't know if he thought I was a threat as 36. Because from, from 32, I've had all my, I've had my A licence, my yeah, diploma maybe. in football management and everything like that. Yeah. Maybe he saw me seen as a bit, of, a bit of a threat, but then obviously this opportunity came up. Um, and enjoyed it, to be fair. Yeah. Enjoyed it. Still had the same problem, got sent off. <laughs> but that, that's football, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And we just missed out. We missed out on a point in the Europa League, which would have been the first time they qualified. But then over the last couple of years, the club's gone on and on. And they, they qualified for the Europa League next year. And then they qualified for the Champions League the year after that. So it's a club that's sort of... Progressing. For, 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 the, for the Finnish Premier League, it's, uh, they, they've done all right. Yeah. You know? and Do you um, recommend young kids in particular 100%. go out? I'd, play, I'd, play lo- I'd love... Obviously, I, I, I'm hoping over the next couple of years I'm get involved with a, a club at yeah. some. Obviously, I'm involved at Oxford, but yeah. not on a full time basis. You know, and as if there's a lad there at 16, 17, 18 years of age that's maybe had an injury during the season, to go, I'd totally tell him get them out there because yeah. it, it's it's a great place. It it makes you grow up as a as a as a young man as well. Mm. You know, you got to fend for yourself. Different culture, different per- and. I love it out there. I, I go out there every year and yeah. see the friends that I've made out there. Um, and it's a great night as well. So. <laughs> well, great weekend. Yeah, really, so yeah, it's, uh, everywhere he goes, always, always you look at the night on, life. on a nightlife. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You've so, had some Cardiff, Sheffield, but, um, Birmingham, some yeah, nightlife. So it's all good. Um, come back. I'm going to go through every club, but play for a fair few non-league league clubs as well. Yeah, just well, kept playing. A, when I, yeah, but when I came back, I um, obviously from a personal point of view, um, I split up with the missus and. I had my kids, so I finished. I came back from Finland in the November, and for a year I just did the school run, and yeah. chilled out, and all that sort of stuff. She went off and did what she did, and enjoyed being a dad I just, for a I just, bit. Yeah, I was just a dad like my kids. I, 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 from from a young age, I, I was always a hands-on dad. Yeah, you know, I'd, I'd always be the one that takes the kids to football, take my daughter horse riding, do everything with them. You know, I was always hands-on dad. And to be fair to my kids, they were they were, when this when we, we we split up, they. They said they wanted to live with me, which was for me as a as a thing that when you talk about achievements, that was my greatest achievement ever. Yeah. To to for the your kids to say that. To yeah. You, you know what I mean? As a dad was was unreal. So, and I just yeah, just took a year out, did loads of washing and <laughs> and did that, did the school run and and did that. But then it got to that summer and I well in the January I signed for Chesham. Yeah. Um, just a chance meeting with a pal of mine. They 
they were going to try and get promoted from the from their league, and it meant I could obviously I train I didn't have to well, I train on a Tuesday and Thursday, but I didn't really train. I just played on a Tuesday, played on a Saturday, didn't didn't train or anything yeah, yeah. like. That. So it means on a Tuesday and a Saturday, I had somebody to look after the kids, and I just played and Fair. earned a bit of beer money. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And um, and that's how the non-league thing started really. Yeah. And then obviously, kept playing though for a fair few years. Yeah, I did, but it was easy. You know, you just get get people around you, and as a centre half, you could do it. Um, and then obviously, I had a couple of assistant manager roles, and just use it as a part of my coaching development. And yeah. I'd always do bits of coaching and bit all of that sort of money, stuff. Play football. And it, stay it, it was a bit. Of, the, the money was irrelevant as long as it paid me fuel there and back. Yeah, yeah. I wasn't really fussed about the money. I just wanted to. Yeah. And it gave me four, five years on on my career because no matter what, I still wanted to play football at three o'clock on a Saturday afternoon. Yeah, and um, I finished last year. I think Christmas, no, not last, not last season, season before Christmas last season. I got an injury on my knee, and it was, uh, I think, it was my body telling me that it was time to jack it in. Yeah, but I just couldn't get back, couldn't get back from it. But the best part of nearly twenty-five years of playing from sixteen-year-old. I don't know how I'm going to feel. I don't know. When I get to 50, I'll be in a wheelchair. <laughs> you know, but um, yeah, to, to play football for 25, 25 years, I think sort of, you look back probably well over a thousand games in yeah. sort of when you take in all the other, every game that you've played. It's, I've, uh, I've, I've done all right. Yeah, absolutely. How do you look back over the whole experience? I know you say no regrets, but... Uh, yeah, no regrets. Just, I, I feel privileged. I feel privileged to... To have been lucky enough to play football because it is, it is the best job in the world. Mm. You know, to get up every morning and and, and go out and it, you, you don't appreciate when you do it, but it is the best job in the world to play football for a living. Mm. You know, it's it's unreal. And that, now, obviously, hopefully, I want to I want to go into the management side. But if I if I look back at 65, 70 years of age and I've been in football for all that time, I, I would, honestly I'd be. I'd be the luckiest man ever because yeah. football is just a—it's an unbelievable sport. I love it, yeah. um, and just love being part of it. It's, it's, it's brilliant. And I, obviously, when you do the, the video stuff and all that, when you're watching games and the, and the radio commentary, you're still involved in it. I, I like watching it as part because you never stop learning from football. There's always something you can learn from a game going to watch it, mm. and uh, everything you do, and every time you go and watch a game or a training session, you'll always learn something from it, whether it's good or bad. Did you? You can just tell by when you do your Blues TV punditry, whether it's on a TV or or on the journey in game. You can see that you've got a coach's mind. You see a game well. Did you always want to go down that route? What, not, not really. When I was um, to probably 28, 29, when I signed for Cardiff was probably when I started thinking about it. Yeah. Um, but more, it got forced on me more than anything. We, because um, Cardiff are governed by the Welsh FA and the, and the Welsh Football Trust. They, they had a lad called Osham Roberts, who's obviously now assistant manager of the of the, of the National. Welsh national team. A lad called Carl Darling and and Matthew Bishop, who now works for the English FA. They was always in and around the football club, and they they just probably chance. They just said, "Look, can we put on a, a B license course just for for the players?" And he said, "It'd just be you. There'll be nobody from outside." Mm. He said, "If you can get a dozen players." It makes us worthwhile. We can come in on a Wednesday afternoon on your day off mm-hmm. at the Cardiff training ground and do the course for you. He said it'd be 12 weeks, so 12 Wednesdays, and you'll be done. And you look back on it and you think, 12 Wednesdays, that's me day off. You know what I mean? 12 yeah, yeah. Wednesdays, I'm going to miss 12 days off. Yeah, yeah. And um, so there was like myself, Steve McFowl, Mark Kennedy, Sean Connolly, 
Um, who else was it? Jay Bothroyd, I think, came on it. Um, and a couple of lads from outside that we got in. So we had 12 of us. And so every week, one of us would bring the lunch in and we'd go out, we'd do the course, do the, do the classroom stuff. Yeah. We'd get the youth team out there on a Wednesday afternoon for any coaching stuff we needed to do. And that was the start of my coaching journey, really. Yeah. And it was only then that I, saw, that I started to think, yeah, I fancy this. Yeah. But I, I hate coaching. And I'm going to say, I, I don't like coaching one little bit. I do it because I, have to do it. I want to be a manager. Yeah. I think management, the going into management is, is my... So you prefer the dealing with people, uh, the, the dealing with people, chairman, recruitment, all that sort of stuff. Dealing with the media—that's the side that I think that yeah. I, I really buzz off, and I really want to, yeah. really want to concentrate. You get on. your number two in as a coach. You get me number two in a... as a coach. Listen, I, I'll nip out. I, I'll see me as a coach that I'll, I probably won't be on a training ground every day. Yeah, I'll go out and and do and and say what I need to say when yeah. it needs to be said. But I always liked a manager that did that. You know, the, the coach would take it. And you'd always see like a step up. There. So you'd be at a level four when they're with a coach. And then always, as soon as the manager walked out, bang, and the, the intensity would pick yeah. up, uh, the quality would pick up, just because mm. everybody starts, you know, gaffers here, yeah, we need to buck our ideas up here. Yeah. You know, and yeah. I'd, I'd, I want to I wanna be that man that makes that reaction. Yeah. So as we sit here, school during the day. Yep. And then how are you involved in Oxford? Uh, so I do, obviously, I do a day release on a Tuesday, so I have the day off here, go out, do the day release and come back yeah, here. Young, young lads. Yeah, with the 16s, yeah. yeah, so they do day release from school, Monday, Wednesday, Thursday evenings and Saturday mornings. So. Yeah, one involved. My missus don't know who I am, <laughs> you know what I mean, especially when I do Blues TV yeah, and all yeah. that sort of stuff. I don't blame well us, Saturday listen, afternoon. Don't it's, I'm, uh, yeah, I'm never at home. Yeah, yeah. Which, no, which is, listen, which is, is great for me, as I said, because I just love football, you know, so everything I do is governed around football, but... Um, yeah, it's uh, it's intense. I do. I, I work. You work long hours, but you got to work hard to get where you want to be. Yeah, absolutely. Um, just want to touch upon your Blues TV work. Pulled you in last year. I think you know probably a handful of games yeah. towards the middle of back end of last season. Mm-hmm. But enjoyed the punishment. Enjoyed it. As well. Love it. Yeah, really enjoyed it. So I've never really. I've done dribs and drabs of it when I was playing, um, and you, you, I've often thought well, maybe it'd be something that I'd yeah. like to get into. But yeah, really enjoy it and get a chance to watch watch Blues play which is which is yeah. brilliant you know you, sp- you when you spend a large part of your career at a football club uh, it gives you an opportunity to see them and, and, and stay involved with the game it's, mm. it's it's good really enjoy it hopefully we can offer you some petrol money and get you in again this year oh, it'd be nice if, uh, if it comes about so. <laughs> it be arranged it's, uh, yeah but yeah looking forward to it this year again The Blues Talk Podcast with Dale Moon and Callum Denning Darren Purse future Blues manager old school mate I love it would you have him as head coach down the line, I don't see why not. Yeah, same. Um, I thought it was brilliant. Like I say, I particularly like the stories where there's a punch-up mm. just because it's quite interesting. You don't get to see those sorts of things. Do you reckon Eddie Hearn could take that and run with it? <laughs> Possibly. Robbie Savage, Nico Vassen. Or no, Christoph but... DeGarry, Darren Purse. I love that he he just he knows what he is, Darren Purse, and he says, you know, there's obviously more talented technical people out there than him, but what a player who gave absolutely everything on the pitch, squeezed every ounce of talent. I thought it was quite harsh on himself. He's yeah, like, yeah, yeah I never really had the ability. This is a guy who's played in the Premier League, by the way. A good few years. You know, played over 25 years of football. He's worked his way up, like he says, Leighton Orient, Oxford. Under Blues. 21 international football as well back in the day. You know, and I think you talk about defenders, and it's obviously a hot topic with England at the minute, but there's something to be said about a defender who heads and kicks anything that comes near him who can organise a back line and can read the game. I mean, mm. you, you, young players, you don't need to be 
Franz Beckenbauer to make a living out of no. this game. And I think sometimes, I think the young players in particular lose, it's a dying art, someone who takes pride in defending. You know an interesting point you made that we never really touched on at the time while we were speaking to him? It's too many people are focused on stats. Young players coming up like, oh, well, I completed yeah. however X many passes. passes. Or yeah. covered X amount of ground. or It's yeah. about winning. Absolutely. It's about keeping a clean sheet. And when you're in the trenches, not too many more people you'd want alongside you than Darren Perth. Oh, he'd be very, very near the top of the list for me. Yeah, so, I, as a, like I say, as a bit of a fan, but as, as you know, listening to a, a, a professional who's got some great stories to tell, and you'd imagine there's plenty more that he couldn't say on air as well. But um, I mean, we were talking for a good half an hour before hitting record. So. Yeah, yeah. But you can see, though, as we mentioned in his Blues TV coverage last season, there's a there's an intellectual mind there. There's someone who sees the game particularly well. Um, I think you know, there's something that I've read just during the last week about how defenders tend to make good managers because they have to see the game. Yeah. And read the game, and I think you know. You look at Darren Purse as a prime example. 25 years of experience, all the way through the leagues, um, played with different personalities and the different managers, different styles, different cities, well-travelled bloke up and down the country. And, you know, you talk about young English managers getting a chance. Well, maybe one day it could be Darren Purse. Well, speaking of Darren Purse on Blues TV, of course, Blues TV back for the 2019-20 season. Live video coverage for international subscribers. Audio for UK subscribers. And we start, Dale, away at Brentford. Yes, a trip to West London to take on Brentford. So, Our last um, ever trip to Griffin Park, by the yeah, way. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I won't miss it, I'll be brutally honest. For away fans, though. Brilliant on the in, terrace. Great atmosphere behind the goal. From a Blues TV technical point of view, it's... Absolutely not. Not great. Fixed calendar's not done us any favours, though. No, but it's going to be... Um, yeah, intriguing game, and we know what Brentford are all about, what their DNA or club philosophy or whatever buzzword you want to use. Uh, that Brentford uh, have done for a good few years now, so they'll try and play football. Sun will hopefully be beaming; it'll be mm-hmm. a good pitch. So good tests for for Blues, and then quickly followed up on Portsmouth. the Tuesday night with yeah the uh, the Carabao Cup tie against Portsmouth a away, week so. before anyone else plays in the cup. Yeah, the only downside is I'd love that to have been a weekend. Well, you've you got know, family like, down there, haven't yeah, you? Yeah, but you know, like even for Blues fans, say like you travel to Portsmouth for a, for a weekend would have been on the yeah. coast. Some would have been hopefully nice, but you know it's a Tuesday evening uh, on telly. It's just cruel now, though, talking about the prospects of having them on a weekend. Yeah, maybe we, next season. Well, actually, we need to have a look at the fixtures and just see where those freezing cold Februarys and Januarys are going to be this well, year. Well, some key dates here: Boxing Day, we're away at Blackburn. It's going to be pretty well, unpleasant if, in if terms last of weather. Year was yeah. to go by. New Year's Day, we're going to be here. Always uh, better to wake yeah, up. Yeah, I don't mind being cold, hungover at St Andrews. So that's fine. Wigan at home. Uh, but the big key date for your calendar, 23rd birthday, mine, Luton away. That's the big one. Lovely. That's what we want. Yeah, nice one. But, I mean, you look at the running. I mean, whenever we, I mean, we haven't spoken about this fixture list. But to me, it stinks of a league that's wide open. It's unbelievable, isn't it's, it? Is there any teams in there that you, you particularly think are going to run away with it? I don't know. I'll tell you what, there's... Probably 13, 14 teams that fancy it. They'll all make an argument. They'll all make a case. You know, I can add one or two players over the summer, build upon last season. Obviously, the three that come down will want to bounce straight back up. Then you've got the ones that continue the momentum from a good League One campaign into the new season. Luton fans, they're well up for it. Then the ones who narrowly missed out in the playoffs, your Derby, West Broms, Leeds. Or you'd imagine it'll be up there again. Middlesbrough have a change of manager. So, no one really that... I don't think Blues will be scared of. First home game against Bristol City. Yeah. Same as last year. 
Mm-hmm. Um, thought that was a bit of a robbery against Bristol. So was it two years ago last year? Two years ago. Two years sorry, ago, yeah. was it? Yeah, bit of a robbery against um, against them. They played some good football, but we won that game. Uh, and then you finish with um, three of the last five at home. Swan- yeah. Swansea at home, Stoke away, Charlton at home, Preston away, Derby at home. And then the FA Cup final for us. Yeah. <laughs> Have you booked your accommodation for Wembley yet? Uh, not yet, mate. No, I'll put I'll you up. Crash in my day, living room. Day trip. But no, looking forward to it. Fixtures are out. Players are back in. We're rocking and rolling. And week on Sunday, we're off on tour. Yeah. Well, I'm not. I know. You, I'm you've sadly, let us down. Sad- you've let the side down. Sadly, I'm not part of that trip Where are this you year. swanning about? No, uh, I've hit that horrible age where everyone's getting married, so it stags stags and weddings and I'm best man for a couple of my mates in the summer so fortunately the dates did clash and I've been very unprofessional and put, from you. And put that above my work life which yeah it's annoying because this trip I think will be a very decent one don't get me wrong Austria has been great the last couple of years and the trips that I've been involved in Portugal, Portugal has a bit sun. of a different feel yeah, yeah. beaming hot sun and you'd imagine there'd be more to do for the players around the facility yeah. Uh, where they're based, a couple of friendlies as well that you'll be covering, and for your first pre-season trip, yeah, I was going to say I'll be representing the Blues Talk podcast there. Mm. We might have to make a one-off loan signing. Keep it going because it's okay. two weeks away. Yeah, no. In between our two fixtures, we are now. I, I have no idea if I'm pronouncing this correctly. So, any Portuguese listeners, tweet us at BCFC. <laughs> Cova de Piedade is Sounds my good, complete do guess. For me. Let's just blag it. Thursday night, 8 p.m., and then Saturday we take on Vitoria de Setubal. In the Europa League You've a few been years ago. In your own yeah, listen. Mirror. It's disgusting. Knowing that I had to get in front of a microphone just now. <laughs> uh, that's 6 pm on the Saturday. Both matches available on Blues TV for a one off fee of £4.99. Oh, great. So plug. you can watch. Don't worry. I can Even watch. Even though it. you're not there, you can watch. Yeah, yeah, no, I will. I will we will I charge will you. Yeah, we'll, well, yeah, but. No, I will be watching it. They are always good trips. So I'm sure they'll have a team bonding activity or two whilst they're out there. Lots of training. Hope I know you and the boys will, will have some plans to bring all the coverage back here via Blues TV. And, um, I mean, friendlies, you can't look too much into results, but the first time that they'll have a, I'll have a run out in uh, in Portugal, a couple of games, get some minutes into the players, and then they come back. And really, you're then, what, two weeks away? Home stretch, two yeah. Two weeks away from the season. What, three friendlies before the first game of the season, though? Yeah, so... so um, and you'd imagine, not that we're in the know, because we're genuinely not, there'll be new faces... Faces to go, faces to come. The squad could look a little bit different before um, come April the 3rd. So, um, yeah, lots of exciting couple of weeks ahead, I think. Lots to report on. Well, the next time you hear from the Blues Talk Podcast, I can't even say the word wow. podcast. Wow. I'm that excited about Portugal. I don't know going to hear from. But... I know, you'll hear something. Next time you hear from the Blues Talk Podcast will be in Portugal on that pre-season tour. And, uh, yeah, we'll be looking ahead to the start of the season, baking in the sunlight. Yeah, hopefully having a great time. Baking in Brentford. Baking in Brentford. With no... That's a podcast title. Baked, I'll give you that. Yeah. Baked in Brentford. This has been the Blues Talk Podcast. I've been <laughs> Callum Denning. And I've been Dale Moon. Back in a fortnight. We'll see you then. The Blues Talk Podcast.